Do you want to find solutions on how to make decisions faster, how to solve problems with your teams, or define a clear strategy that resonates with your staff and customers? There is a workshop for that. Hello there, I'm Nati Ravez, founder of La Workshopeuse. I'm a collaboration consultant and workshop facilitator, member of an amazing workshopper community. In this podcast, I meet them to get the best advice on facilitation and I'll let leaders and managers speak to understand the challenges they are facing. Welcome to the show. We are live. We are live with Anna Maria. How do I find my tribe as a facilitator or as a freelancer? That's the question I asked myself when I launched my business. I used to give workshop in person, but I wanted to transform my business by integrating virtual sessions. To do this, I had to learn quite a few things, how to use mirror boards, finding out where I wanted to host my virtual sessions. I had tons of questions and concerns, and to be honest, it's no fun doing it all on my own. But I discovered better, not only the platform for interactive and smooth remote sessions, but also a big community of facilitators all over the world. A community can be a way of meeting like-minded people, sharing knowledge, learning and growing faster together, sometimes even better than paying a lot of money for a course. That's where I met my guest of the day, Anna Maria Dogo, Butters Community Manager. She's also Community Manager of the L&D Checkers and will be sharing with us what she has learned about communities. By the way, last week I announced Carrie Price, an incredible facilitator from New Zealand, but sometimes life gets in the way and we unfortunately couldn't make the recordings. But don't worry, the episode with Carrie will be rescheduled later. For now, enjoy this episode with our dear community manager, Anna Maria. Hello, Anna Maria. Hey, Nati. It's great to be here with you. Thanks uh, for having me. Oh, thank you that you're here. I am in Bali. And right now you are at your sister's place in... Yes, Romania. In Romania. <laughs> so thanks to technology, we can talk via Riverside. And yeah, I'm super happy to be here with you. We know each other from different corners, acting both in the facilitation world, so to say. You are a lot of things, actually. But we know each other from the Butter community because you are the Butter community manager. And I have the chance to be one of your little hands who helps uh, to create this community. I would like to learn more about you, about your journey, what you've done, where are you coming from, from your background. So please, you have now the space to tell us a little bit more about you. Oh, how far back do I go? <laughs> so I'll, I'll, do a, I'll do just a quick run through. Um, I'm Romanian. That's why I'm in Romania now. My family still lives here. I've uh, been living around Europe and working for the past 10 years. And I'm based in Amsterdam for the past four and a half years. Mm -hmm. I work at Butter, uh, the virtual workshops platform. 
and I lead the community projects together with cool, awesome facilitators like you. We have a beautiful core team. Um, my background is HR. I studied psychology. I have a master in HR. I've worked in HR for many years as HR business partner. Then I pivoted to learning and development where I um, kind of slipped into this community building world. And I can tell you more about that. And I've worked as a learning and development manager for a, a couple of years, two and a half years. And then uh, I uh, switched, I pivoted again and switched into community building. And now I'm doing that full time for Butter. And I'm in, in between these two big communities. One is the Butter community and the other one is Alan the Shakers, which is um, what brought me into the community building world. Um, it's a space for learning and development professionals. It's a community of practice and learning. And, and yeah, and that's kind of how... How I keep myself busy. Nice. And how came your particular passion for community? It wasn't planned. I I, I actually tend to be very mindful of my development journey. I, I am a very self-directed learner, quite proactive with the opportunities that I create for myself. But when it come to when it came to community, it wasn't very planned or at least not to the extent at which <laughs> it ended up becoming <laughs> but I was in my L&D role for about eight months and I was working in a Dutch startup reporting to the retail director and I was the only L&D person in the company and so um, it was actually his idea I remember in, in, in a one-on-one -on -one that we had he said well I don't really have the expertise to contribute to your development. I can't really help you grow and, and challenge you on that side because I'm not an expert in your field. So let's see, let's brainstorm. Let's see how, how are you going to grow and how are you going to learn and from whom mm -hmm. since you're the only person doing this in the company. And he recommended me reaching out to other L&Ds in other startups in Amsterdam And the idea was very simple. I was looking to create like a team outside my team, a team of L&Ds uh, to simply meet and exchange once a month, um, talk about our projects, get feedback and so on. And uh, it was really fun because the first couple of couple sessions that we had They were so rewarding and it was so fun. And I was learning so much and tools. And I remember I taking so many notes and it was the same for everyone else in the room. So kind of every time we were meeting, we were meeting once a month offline in Amsterdam, someone was bringing in someone new and so on. So it kind of grew organically because we really liked the meetings we were having, but we weren't calling ourselves a community. We didn't think that that was a community. We, we were calling ourselves a working group. So we were getting together sometimes even for half a day to, to work together and with our laptops. And we were kind of, I turned my laptop towards you. This is my presentation. This is my training. This is the thing I'm doing. What do you think? It was, it was really cool. Uh, and then COVID came and then we moved uh, everything online. And um, things started escalating. And somehow I think I, what kept me there It was a very, there were two, two different things. First, full of amazing, inspiring, really talented people that I 
kind of had a direct communication line to you. We had this one thing in common. Mm -hmm. It's it's otherwise it can be quite daunting to reach out to strangers online, but because we were in the same community, it was much easier to start conversations. And then that was really cool. I found that very interesting. And the second part was that we started also using the community for learning by doing and own projects and bringing it there. So I just, I started just launching a lot of things, programs, projects that I didn't have the opportunity to do otherwise in my work because there are KPIs and strategy and you can't do whatever you want all the time, right? So in the community space, I found that opportunity and permission to do whatever I wanted and that whatever I wanted was always very beneficial to my professional and personal development and then when you see other people doing the same it's just like it's very it's a very big amplification of talent and inspiration and suddenly you can do things that you cannot do alone uh, because you divide the load and you put more brains together and they're more creative and the quality of the work is better so that's that's kind of what kept me there. And what what is exactly the meaning of LND for those who don't know? Because uh, yeah. for me, it was a, a term that I didn't know before. Yes. So LND comes from learning and development. Okay. And the way I learned it was the department inside of a company that deals with all of the learning the trainings the workshops etc and development development path career paths leadership development and so on helping people move up the ladder but also laterally mm -hmm. how do we, how do we gain new skills upskill reskill um but also every single person that works as a freelancer in this field as well um and they offer their services to other companies yeah i can remember it i think it was a few months ago now You put a post on LinkedIn. I found it very interesting because I was always telling myself to my own self, I will grow my community on LinkedIn to have mm -hmm. people following me and to propose them some services and advices and tips. And, and your post corrected my vocabulary to what I was saying. I was not really thinking when I thought community. I didn't lose a thought about it, but your post bring me to, to sing because you write, I don't know anymore how it was exactly, but it was about what is a community and what is not a community. So could you give us your thought or your definition of what is a community and what is not a community? Yes. There's lots of conversation around this topic, actually. If, you, if you're in the community space and start listening, there's still a lot of debate of what is it, what isn't, and so on. And this is, as you said, this is my view. So this is how I see things. Mm -hmm. And it might be different in a, in a year from now if you're, if you're asking me. And certainly it's different than what I used to think a year ago. But a community for me, is, it's a space, a gathering of people that have certain things in common, for sure there has to be a red thread. Either we're interested in improving something and developing something. Maybe we have a shared experience. Whatever it is, we need to have a red thread, something that binds us together mm -hmm. so that we can empathize with each other. And then there is this 
shared purpose. And there are the people, obviously, and what kind of characteristics do we have? And we gather into a space to create value with and for each other. And that value will look differently from community to community. And then I think one important element where there's, I think, a lot of conversation around that is for me, a community also, I, I tend to look a lot at the dynamics between people and who is talking and um, how often are they talking and how much space is there. It's created for everyone else. And if you want to kind of step into the spotlight as a regular member, not as the founder or the initiator, how can you do that? Do you have that space? And also, you would really want a community to be able to function um, independently to a certain extent after a while. Mm -hmm. So what happens if the initiator, the founder, the person that started the community disappears for two weeks? Is everything stopping? Or are there certain activities, engagement, conversations, value creating um, opportunities that continue to happen in your absence as a as an initiator or a founder of that community. And then whenever I think about the LinkedIn um, and, and community, it's so misused. I, I feel that's why it's really hard. Sometimes a lot of people are like, I don't even know. I don't know what is a community. And it feels that growing your LinkedIn audience is a community. Or I think I also mentioned like the podcast, for example, if you have a podcast, if you have a newsletter, is that a community? It, it And the question is, it depends. It can become a community or you might add elements of a community. But as soon as those people, your followers, your listeners, your readers, do not have an opportunity to engage back to you, do not have an opportunity to start a conversation in a space, even if that space is owned by you, they don't have the opportunity to start a conversation and connect and interact with other members in your absence. Yeah. That's that's not a community, yeah. that's an audience. Yeah. Now you can add community elements. If you would start, for example, hosting your podcast live and it wouldn't just be me and you in the room, we would have an audience of 50 people and they would be able to, you know, share things in the chat or ask you things. And then you would have a Slack channel where they can continue to talk about the conversation and so on. So how do these your how does your audience continue to learn from each other and connect with each other when you stop the podcast can they do that because if they cannot they're just an audience of the listeners they're just your linkedin audience they're just your your newsletter readers yeah of course now where i'm active in different communities i'll see the value that i gain or the mm -hmm. value that we gain all together to exchange and There are some collaborations and everybody can share what, what they've done or ask questions. And this is completely different than, as you call it, an audience or followers on a LinkedIn profile. So thank you for that, because I've changed my vocabulary. <laughs> If you'd like to join me for a podcast episode or discuss the challenges you face at work and how I can help, book a free call or send me an email. All the contact information 
is in the show notes. You already gave a lot of information about how a community can be useful, but what kind of challenges can solve a community and who can benefit from this? Again, it will vary from the type of community that you're part of, the type of community you're building. So I can share a couple of challenges that the communities I am part of or I am part of the steering uh, team, uh, the challenges that we're trying to solve. So uh, for members in general, a community brings, it can bring a space to meet like-minded people. I think that is by definition what a community is. How do I find my tribe? How do I surround myself with folks that speak my language, that understand what I'm going through? So we can exchange and share. So there's this learning element to it, exchange of value, experiences, etc. Um, then the challenge can be anything from I am facing a roadblock with my project, with my team as a leader in my development, something very concrete, very practical. You have a task to do. You don't know how to do it. You turn to your community and you ask them, has anyone been here before me or do i have to reinvent the wheel usually you don't have to reinvent the wheel can someone someone was there before so that's that's a very practical challenge that you solve very immediate solutions to problems you have the other thing is simply opportunities either if you're a freelancer for example in the butter community we people people are searching for collaborators May add any shakers as well. I'm looking for someone to help me with this challenge. People can propose themselves as experts. Other people can tag other other experts as well if they think, oh, that's not this area, right? So I'm going to tag her because she's perfect for that role. So simply opening opportunities for collaborations, for new business, for new projects, but also for finding jobs. There are several instances where I know that there were jobs made available because they, they find out about the job or the role within a community. And when you post a job in the community, you know that because that community has that strong sense of identity and who we are and the type of people that it attracts, you already, you already have some data points about that person compared to a random stranger candidate, right? So if we share a common community and a common space, I feel that I already know, I have an idea of your essence as a person or professional. So um, there, and, and then on the other hand, there's this element of, and I absolutely, I'm super grateful to my prior manager that has guided me to go and take my development outside of the company I was working on. Because communities are these brilliant spaces for anyone to own their development and their reskilling or upskilling journey in a very self-directed way if, if they want to. Mm -hmm. um, so it's almost like you're creating your own development journey, your own university, your own master's, your own right path. Academy. Exactly. With the people, the events you're attending, the people you're exchanging and so on. So for companies, it's like if... If I would be a team lead, uh, I would love if everyone in my team would be engaged in some sort of community they really care about, about a cause they really care about, because I would know and I would encourage them to do that. That is, they're growing. 
Yeah. They, they it's a it's a it's an opportunity for them to grow and improve skills, gain confidence, be better at their job, and so on. These are the few ones, and then in uh, again, I think there's this there's something very interesting about communities because the magnitude of the projects that communities can put into the world is so much more bigger than the magnitude of the projects that any individual can put out there because you have this element of collaboration and co-creation. So I'm talking, let's do a week-long conference, right? If there's just one person that has to do that job, the the diversity, the creativity, um, the impact of that one-week conference would be very different compared to a community challenging, a, a community being tasked with that challenge. Um, resources, databases, um, mentoring, coaching options, uh, events, masterminds, facilitation sandboxes. So there's just this wealth of opportunities to grow, connect, develop that a community enables that no individual can do Alone. by itself, yeah. no matter how, how amazing they are. Yeah, it's true. Is facilitation a good skill for a community mm. manager? So absolutely. I have to say that I've been practicing my facilitation muscles so much more in my role as a community leader or as an engaged member in a community than I did prior to that. Yeah. Um, and I, in facilitation, it's this art and skill of holding spaces for others you're opening the space you're inviting others in the groups in and then you are the master of the process to ensure that the group reaches a desired outcome for for their for the gathering and so as a community builder you are exactly that the community lead the community core team the community manager it doesn't matter if it's one person if it's a team at its center, our role is to hold the space and enable. Um, we model behavior. So we, we do show up in a certain way, just like a facilitator models behavior in a group. But ideally, in a healthy community, you don't want the core team or the lead in the front row. You don't want them in the spotlight because it's not about them. And so with the facilitators, it's exactly the same. Who's that person in the shadow that you probably don't even see, but you know that they're working their magic in the room for the right conversations to happen, for the um, level of energy to be the right one uh, that kind of hits the brakes, accelerates when need be, and make sure that the group reaches its full potential. We do the same as community enablers. Um, and so besides the very practical aspect of us hosting, co-hosting events, community sessions, especially if you're leading a virtual community, um, very often we're bringing people across cultures in the same room, right? There's an important facilitation aspect to that. Um And it's the same if you're gathering people offline. You're the master of ceremony. So there's a lot of facilitation skill that, that we're using there because everyone's looking is looking up to you. You're the gatherer. And then how do you subtract yourself from there and let the magic happen? <laughs> you know, put put the right conditions and then kind of disappear 
and have them, you know, create the space and the conversations and the value exchange. Uh, there's lots of overlaps. I think there's a lot of um, similarities in the two roles. Yeah. And I also think that in a way, as a facilitator, there's this innate, uh, that's why facilitator communities, I think, they're they're really open and very engaged communities because a facilitator by nature has this care and knows when to step in, when to step back, when to leave space, when to intervene, when to set directions, how to, you know, what is emer- what what is emergence and what what do I need to steer? And then they have that sense. They they know that from their work with groups. So the both of them are I think they have a lot of transferable skills. Yeah. The facilitators communities are really caring communities. Hmm. Um, this is really something special. There is not, I, I never had this feeling of competition. I really hmm. had this feeling of caring and sharing. And it's really pushed to grow because sometimes at the beginning, when you are coming somewhere, you don't know everybody, maybe you don't speak so well English, maybe you are not. I was used to work in companies and to lead groups in person. It was something completely new to come in a digital area. And then you feel not so confident. And if you have other telling you, don't care, you are in a safe place. <laughs> you can do every mistake you want because these are not mistakes. These are new steps to grow, actually. So... Exactly for this, you're mm-hmm. here. It's really nice. Hey, I'm Katrin Siebecks from Facilitators Connect, and I have something for you. If you are an entrepreneur in the field of facilitation, keep your ears wide open. There is an event that you should not miss if you want to scale up your business and leverage your skills. It's called Facilitators Connect, and it is a retreat which will take place from the 11th until the 15th of September in the Netherlands. Five intense days with top speakers who will hold exclusive workshops where you will get the most out of your own positioning, but also your sales and marketing strategy. With speakers such as Ahmad Munawar, Axel Van Kuali, and the well-known Brittany Bowring. Grab your coupon in the show notes to get a special discount. Sign up super quick on facilitatorsconnect.com and join 40 facilitators from all over the world for five intense days for your business, for your network, with like-minded people, but most of all, for yourself. See you soon. You talked just before you used the word overlapping, and I think Mm. this is the right word for your own business because... You have your own business, which is called Handle with Brain. And I think you mm. overlap all your learnings about learning experience, design and communities building. I think this is a, a nice thing. You have put everything together to, <laughs> to, to, to work with your own patients, so to say. Can you tell me yeah, a little yeah. bit more about Handle with Brain? Yes. And thanks for asking, because I don't usually, I don't talk to a lot about my my freelance business also because it's quite fresh I'm still quite fresh at it and um, I have specific limited time to allocate to this project given that I, I uh, 
work at Butter. Mm -hmm. But the, it was a, it's a beautiful story, actually. And uh, whenever I get the opportunity to share and think back on how I actually started freelancing, I am very much filled with gratitude um, because it came to me. <laughs> it literally came to me um, what, last year. When you do work with communities, and you know that, Nadi, because you're involved in several facilitation community communities, uh, the more active you are, the more you take out of it, the more you put inside yeah. of that space, the more it rewards you. And so, and after a while, it just compounds. Like at the beginning, there are like small improvements and small things. And after a while, it's just snowballing. And for me, after two, three years of doing um, work with communities, with Alany Shakers, and then the butter community, um, I obviously had a lot of contacts. I've met a lot of wonderful people. I had the opportunity to collaborate with a lot of them. And they were seeing me through my work. When you work in community, your work is very visible. It's not hidden from the world. Uh, and I'm also a big fan of learning in public and building in public and sharing things. Often my learnings and my journey with others that might want to listen. So I had, I started building this audience on LinkedIn and also being part of the communities. And um, it started with people just approaching me with very specific projects and saying, Anna Maria, I have this challenge and I think you're the right person to help me out. And then there was someone, Anna Maria had this challenge and someone told me to come your way because you're the person for it. And first two, three people that came my way, I turn back like I said I'm sorry I'm not a freelancer I can't help you I have a full-time job and I redirected them to other people in my network and the third or fourth one it was someone I really valued I knew very well I was really comfortable with her and she came to me with a dream project it was a, a workshop that I was hosting for her for, for their internal community of practice inside the company she was working an employee learning community and she wanted me to host a workshop. And I said, oh my God, I want to do this so badly. <laughs> and then I remember, and obviously it's a company, like you need to invoice them and all that. And I recall that I called it the Dutch um, whatever freelance registration body. And I asked, hey, I have this one client that I really want to take on. I'm, I'm like, how can I register? What's the process there? And I also don't know if I will have any other clients. Like maybe this is just it. This is just one client, you know? <laughs> and they, they told me, don't worry, you can register. And then in a year, if you don't have any more clients, you can just close it and it's all good. And I said, oh, well, if it's that easy then. <laughs> and, and then projects started coming my way. And I think you already mentioned my projects always lie at this overlap. Just like my work in the past couple of years, learning experience design especially very much focused on social and peer learning and this overlap with communities. So it can be a community of practice inside. It can be a community that's focused on innovation, a community that's focused on leadership development around the leadership program. Um, and I mainly, right now, my work mainly revolves around workshops, um, mini trainings, uh, soft skills, community building in particular, a talks um people bring bring me in to talk about specific topics that i have experience in 
and a little bit of journey design, experience design in terms of how to launch your community. And I actually, uh, a big project I led was um, a toolkit on launching communities of practice for, for an NGO. So they're all very, really exciting and very, I don't know, just close to my heart. And I feel that indeed I can bring in that mix of, that cocktail of community development or growing through community and, and learning experience design. And it's really fun. Sometimes things happen and, um, and if you recognize the sign and you don't know how to do this, you only need to make the step. And then naturally, all the things are coming together. This is really cr crazy sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes you are stuck and you want and you want and you want and you want it so bad that nothing really happened because you are pushing it out. And sometimes you just have yeah. to let go and things are coming pro on their own and uh, things happen. It's the it's this power of the first step, right? Yeah. Like just do the first step. Yeah. Like even if it's just one client, it's one client, it's an experience. You're going to for sure learn from it. It's going to, you know, stretch your comfort zone. It's something new. It's something different. And I think for me, it helped a lot. The fact that I didn't really, I started it and I eased into it and I'm still easing into it. Like I still have my job and then I have my projects along the side and I'm very careful with the type of projects that I'm working with, with the type of clients that I'm working it with, because I have this ability, I have limited time mm -hmm. for handle with brain. And so I get to really pick and choose the projects that I absolutely love with the clients that I absolutely adore. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's, and, and to come back, I think what really helped me is that I didn't set out to, with a big strategy or plan behind. I think that sometimes, very often, when we want to, myself included, whenever we want to start something new, we feel that the stakes are so high. So we need to really think very well. And there's like, we see all these risks that are, you know, potentially we're going to face them. And we think that we need to have a super detailed strategy and a plan and have the answers to all the questions even before we start. And that's a very important lesson that I start that I learned in my work as a community builder. This starting, what's the minimum thing you can do with the resources you have right now as soon as possible? Because there's never time. Like in communities, usually it's people are giving up their time voluntarily. So they all have their businesses and their work and so on. So We do not have a lot of resources at our disposal. Hmm. Very often, very little money, very little time, little energy. So how do we take what we have and put something out there that has the biggest impact? And it doesn't have to be beautiful and it doesn't have to be perfect, but it has to be useful to us all. So I learned this kind of scrappiness, just scrappy way of, of course, you can look at a thing and be like, there's always more to improve. Uh, better ways to perfect it. There's always something to improve at every single thing you're looking, right? Yeah. Nothing is perfect. Yeah. Uh, but but with communities, I just put it out there. Just have fun with it. Mm -hmm. Just put it out there. Let's see what happens. And then we can always come back and tweak it and we can always come back and change it. And I think with my freelancing, it was the same. It felt the first year, last year, it very much felt as a almost like a game, almost it felt surreal. Like I wasn't really looking like, 
oh, this is a business, you know? I was like, these are learning opportunities and these are cool clients that I get to work with. So let me just give my best and, you know, take it one one week at a time and deliver my best work and see what I can do and how much I can stretch myself and, and all that. So see, another another lesson that community has taught me. Because um, Anna Maria from three years ago, I probably would have frozen there next to a blank sheet of paper with my freelancing strategy plan that would have never been perfect and I would have never started anything. Uh, but Anna, Anna Maria now is like, just start. And then, you know, things will come. Yeah, Things will come your way. Action, action attracts, has a reaction, you know. If, if you're static, there's, there's no reaction. You have to put an action into something, energy into something for it to, to, to bring back stuff to you. So... Yeah, I always say small steps are better than a small steps towards something are much better than a full fledged plan to get you there because you're still you're still standing still when you're planning, you're standing still. So there's no there's there's no progress. This is a very nice sentence and motivation to end this episode. (laughs) (laughs) This is a very good reminder. Do the things. Don't overthink start before you're perfect and the rest will come and uh, you cannot be 100% from one day to the other and the one you are looking up to maybe they have started 10 years ago and uh, they just appear one year ago so yeah I think this is a good end for this episode thank you very very much Anna Maria Dorgo Thank you for having me. I had a great time chatting with you and the time flew by. So I'm like, what? It's already over now. Uh, it, it was great. Thank you so much, Nati, for the invitation. You're welcome and see you soon on Butter, on LinkedIn and in our network. See you soon on Butter. <laughs> see you there. Bye-bye. Bye. Don't hesitate to contact Anna Maria via LinkedIn. You'll find all the information in the show notes. And please join us in the Butter community, where I'm also active with Anna Maria as one of the community curator. We share tips on facilitation, share experiences, not forgetting sessions such as Butter Mixer or Butter Sandbox, where facilitators create interactive sessions for all the members. You could be one of them. In the show notes, you'll find the link to the community, the link to the YouTube channel, And there is also a little gift, a coupon giving you 30% off your beta subscription for the first three months. So go and enjoy. In the next episode, I have the pleasure of welcoming not one, but four guests. The organizer and the speakers of Together Alone, a five-day facilitation event taking place in Portugal in October. So I'll have the pleasure of talking to Anthony Rose, the organizer, Dan Smith, the founder and CEO of StoryBrand Netherlands, Holger Nispol, author of the book Creating Clarity, and the man we heard a lot about him and his book Sprint, which was a game changer for a lot of my guests on this podcast, Monsieur Jack Knapp. Until then, I wish you happiness, good health, and a lot of success. Au revoir.